Proverbs 10, 12, and 13. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, continuing on in Proverbs 10 and verse 12, obvious uh, juxtaposition of hatred mm-hmm. versus love. Yeah. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So is it just that easy, Will, that we just don't hate, we it's always that love? Easy. It's just that easy. It's so simple. <sighs> For Barrett Fisher, I'm okay. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, we were, we were just talking about, like, this is, there's obviously a lot of nuance here. And I think what, what the postmodern world you kind of hear this sort of approach, like oversimplified. Right. Like all you need is love and hatred is bad. And, you know, like that's it. Love, love trumps hate. Right. Whatever. Right. But what we look, even if, if we stay in Proverbs, you know, like this is not like if we just stay in Proverbs and look elsewhere, there is righteous hatred mm. and there is, unhealthy love. Right. And so before we even dig into kind of what this means, we have to have a correct view of hatred and love. And you mentioned Proverbs 8. uh, It it says that the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Right. And, you know, so basically like love and hatred is this two-sided coin where if you love something, you hate the things that threaten it. Right. And if you hate something, you love the good that triumphs over it, you know? Right, right. And so that kind of frames up, like, what do we mean by love? What do we mean by hatred? Yeah, here? that's right. And you you have, to, you have to have something, or you always have something that is defining what you love and what you hate. Yeah. Uh, and so if it's not, you know, I, I would, I would, say let's go to scripture and see how scripture defines things that we should love and we should hate mm-hmm. but if we're not super intentional in allowing our our worldview and our perspective to be shaped by scripture in those things we oftentimes can use just kind of by osmosis the mm-hmm. world the world at large or culture at large mm-hmm. that kind of teaches us what we should love and what we should hate yeah and so i mean the you know the culture around us would not agree with Proverbs eight thirteen that you just read that the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Yeah. Number one, they don't even care about fearing the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but also hatred of evil. I mean, that's a what is evil, exactly. you know? And so we have to have scripture or something else that is actually defining what evil is. Mm. And so and so that's a big part of it is trying to is trying to come to this and say okay. How do we define what is hate worthy? Because it's not as easy as it may seem yeah. on the surface that hatred stirs up strife, mm-hmm. but love covers all offenses. So yeah. let's all just love. Yeah. And then on the other the other side of that, I mean, we have to know what to love. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is worthy of our love? And I would say, you know, we need to come to scripture and we need to see what love is. And so that's kind of a little bit on hatred and love. Yeah. But uh, but now we get into the verse that talks yeah. about hatred you know assuming we have kind of a proper view on hatred and love yeah we get into this verse so the two key words besides hatred and love are strife and offenses so basically like we're talking about interpersonal things here you know like yeah and, and where 
where my mind really went in in kind of meditating on this proverb is this idea of where where are your feet rooted in interactions with people, particularly contentious interactions um, where strife and, and offenses are are involved. And you know, it, I really think this is a word towards like you you can be, you know, correct about something but not right if you are not coming from a a place of loving the lord and loving your neighbor as yourself right and you know it, it made me think of second timothy 2 uh, 24 and 25 which says the lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness hmm. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. So the kindness and love that's modeled here is not this like loosey-goosey, you do whatever you want sort of love. Like there's obviously the parameters of right and wrong, but we see this idea of not being quarrelsome, of patiently enduring evil, correcting people with gentleness and we have just totally departed from this in yeah. so much of the church which is so sad right but and and you see it like it mm. these major christian figures who are they have the right biblical understanding of things but their approach is scoffing right it is ridicule it not is gentle. mockery yeah, yeah it, it flies in the face of the biblical model like utterly and and we shouldn't mm. celebrate that because we should want people like this. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Like that should be our desire, right. not for our side to win, but for people to repent and follow the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And that that's that's the love that covers all offenses. Will, great word, man. Uh, very, very well put. Um, you know, so going on to verse 13, it says, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. I mean, kind of some strong language here. Mm -hmm. You get the idea. I kind of picture, you know, Jean Valjean at the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah. of uh, Les Miserables, uh -huh. and he's, you know, a rod on the back of him. So you uh -huh. have this, you have somebody who's kind of in bondage, yeah. who yeah. who is, you know, has this rod on, on, on his back. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe Jean Valjean's not the best character, but uh, well, he he lacked a lot of sense yeah, until he yeah. until he came out of that. Yeah. And but um, but yeah. So uh, an interesting look at this, and we want to be those who you know have lips that that want to seek understanding, and yeah. and that's where wisdom is found, yeah. rather than going our own course, mm -hmm. which may feel like freedom for a time. Yeah. And we're not concerned about the fear of the Lord. We're not concerned about understanding as the Lord would have it or as scripture would have it, but we're, we're seeking our own way. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like as we seek our own way, we're found out to be nonsensical, to mm -hmm. lack sense. Yeah. And then we find ourselves back in bondage. Absolutely. Uh, I think just the, the big warning here is that foolishness always leads to slavery. You know, mm -hmm. it always leads back to bondage, even if it feels like liberty, it's not true liberty. And, Basically, this idea, I feel like we talk about it a fair amount um, as a church, but, you know, there's there's this idea in the secular world that freedom is a lack of restraint. Yep. And that's just not true. Right. You know, like maybe the most oppressive form of government 
is anarchy mm. because there's no one to enforce justice. That's exactly right. And, and yep. it's the same in a spiritual sense. It's even more true in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Like, you know, the it it's so telling in our culture. Like the more we cast off restraints of, of morals and principles, the more depressed, the more insatiable right we become and, yep. and that's even like we we see that in in all circles in all cities and hmm. you know it, it's just a good reminder that wisdom is a restraining force and it's easy to feel like that restraint is oppressive right but really that restraint is where true liberty is and so we should seek that yeah that's where freedom is found mm-hmm. And so I, I, I oftentimes will go back to Galatians 5 where Paul writes and he says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Yeah. So he set us free for yeah. freedom Yeah. so that we would enjoy freedom. Mm-hmm. But it's not we're free, we're, we're rid of all restraints. Mm-hmm. We're actually most free when we're yeah. living like perfectly totally. in subjection totally. to the will of Christ. Well, it's so like Paul, it, he balances that tension so well because Paul calls himself a slave to Christ, hmm. but he also talks about how we are no longer slaves. Yeah, and yeah, we've right. been given a spirit of adoption. You know, like right. and and so that's within the same author and the same like body of work, we we find this tension where being a prisoner to Christ is being free in this world. Yeah. And that's like the, that great paradox. Yeah, actually subjecting yourself mm-hmm. in full submission yeah. to the law of Christ, yeah. to scripture is is where we most fully become sons and daughters mm-hmm. of the king yeah Amen. i think we nailed it today well I mean, <laughs> we just wrapped it up you know we won't be doing any more odrs no, i'm kidding we'll have one tomorrow too well for will carlisle i'm barrett fisher thanks for listening to our daily rhythm I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.